Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, you are everything to us, Lord. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us in this country, Lord, the freedoms that we enjoy. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and provided for us in so many ways, Lord. We ask your blessings upon this service today, Lord. Help us to open our hearts to you. Hope, open our hearts to hear what you have for us. Help us to follow you in every step that we take, Lord, and turn to you for that wisdom and guidance that you provide to us by our, your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, how many of you have tomorrow off? You don't have to go into work tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Well, I have, I have like every day off, but then I'm retired, so it's okay. So, why are we having the day off tomorrow? It's Memorial Day. What does that really mean? I know mom, when she was teaching school, she had to take a lesson and teach the kids about what Memorial Day was all about because they just thought it was a day for picnics and barbecues. Decoration day way back, yeah. Well, we want to think about that today and think about the people that have given so much their whole lives to give us those freedoms that we do enjoy. And I know sometimes we think about, well, sometimes our freedoms are being encroached upon. And that's for another day. But um, what, what, we really, what we really need to do is think, think about those that have gone before us and the sacrifices that they've given. And while I don't necessarily agree with everything our president has said and done, I did a little research and he put out a proclamation and that in 1950 the Congress said that presidents should always put out a proclamation for Memorial Day. So I read that and in it he asks that we do something special. So I'd like every one of you that has a cell phone to pull it out. And what I'd like you to do is set an alarm for 11 o'clock. Now that's not to mean that Pastor Mark has to be done by 11 o'clock today so that we can go home and have our barbecue. Um, so set the alarm for 11 o'clock, silence it now because we don't want the, all the bells and buzzers to go off at 11 o'clock this morning. But we want you to have it go off tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning. As our president has asked that everyone in the country in their own time zone at 11 o'clock stop and take time and he's asked us to pray and that's pray for our servicemen pray for our country pray for our leaders and God's told us to do this to pray for our leaders and 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 I would ask that we pray for the families that have lost loved ones in the service because it's, you know, that, that probably 
brings up grief. They, they're not celebrating with picnics and barbecues tomorrow and parades, but I'm sure their hearts are heavy. So we can set our alarms to pray tomorrow at 11 o'clock, and we'll all be praying together. So now on to some more exciting news other than that. Um, who knows what's happening June 20th? It's Father's Day, and how many fathers do we have in the room? Well, yeah, yeah, okay, we've got a few. And and fathers, would you like to be treated to a breakfast on Father's Day? A super breakfast. So we're going to have breakfast here at the church at 9 o'clock. We'll be serving biscuits and gravy and scrambled eggs. So, yeah, it's one of our, my, our men's favorites. And so we'll have... in. Uh, the, our restrictions for COVID are going to be over by then in California. So we'll be able to, you know, gather together and enjoy and celebrate our fathers. Okay, so June 20th, 9 o'clock, we'll come and have breakfast, get cleaned up, and get ready for our 10 o'clock service. Sound like fun? Okay. And fireworks booth is coming up. We got quite a few sign-ups last week. The sign-up sheet is still in the back. So there's still lots of spots that we'll be able to fill. Um, so keep that in mind. Sign up. And our, uh, our partnering with the Yuba County Co Office of Education. If you haven't had a chance, go on our Facebook group and read all about some of the things that they were able to do with that the funds that they've raised last year. It was pretty inspiring, the things, ways that they were able to help some of the youth and just here in Yuba City. And as well, it'll help support our church and give us some extra funds to do some fun things that we can plan now that COVID's over. We can do some fun stuff with that. All right. Um, as as usual, we're thanking you for your being faithful with your giving. For those of you online, you can do it online. And those of you here, you can do it online. But if you brought your tithes and offerings this morning, you can go ahead and put them in the basket in the front or in the back. Thank you. caught the alarm is for tomorrow at 11. Tomorrow. <laughs> Although I've been in church sometimes where I wish I'd had an alarm to turn off the pastor. <laughs> and I was the pastor. <laughs> you can watch if Jill ever starts giving me signals, you know, there's one thing. And then when she does this, it's like, you know, okay, let's do it. Um, this is week two in a series that uh, I've called Life Changers. And uh, the components that I'm sharing uh, over this series are things that I have heard in my life, uh, sometimes as a teenager or perhaps as a pastor, but teachings that I've heard that have so impacted me that they've stayed with me. Now, last week, how many were here and heard the perfect will of God? The perfect will of God. G. Lee Thomas, uh, who was my mentor, uh, preached that when I was a freshman in college. I was home for spring break, and he preached out of Romans 12. And when I got home for the summer, he was still in Romans 12. And I was home all summer, and he stayed in Romans 12. And I went back to college in late August, and he was still in Romans 12. Um, 
we had remembrance of that yesterday. Um, Jill spoke at his wife, Lady's um, memorial service. I don't know if you remember on uh, Mother's Day, she shared about Lady Thomas being her mentor. Well, that day she'd actually passed away. So uh, we were honored to be invited. And, and uh, your pastorette was marvelous yesterday. So thank you, dear, for that. I want to talk about relational integrity. Doesn't that sound intense? I, I don't know that really that's a title. I had to make one up, and so I, I made it up, relational integrity. Uh, Jill and I pastored in, in Lodi, California. I was the administrator of Century Christian School, and we were on staff at Century Assembly. And uh, we were having challenges in our church with people who were, were struggling relationally. And our pastor heard of this uh, ministry out of Sacramento that was called Divorce Prevention. You see, about that time, the marriage enrichment thing was the big deal. Go to a marriage enrichment seminar. Well, this one just called it what it was. This is divorce prevention. And, of course, you will understand. If you don't understand, I'll tell you how it is. When you're on staff and the senior pastor and his wife decide, we're going to have this seminar come to our church on Tuesday nights, and it's 12 glorious Tuesday nights in a row, guess who signs up? Everybody on staff. So I, I guess, so I, I went into it thinking, all right, it's one of those marriage deals, and they're going to talk about communication, and they'll talk about sex, and they'll talk about kids, and I'm really looking forward to the sex talk, and they'll talk about kids, and then I'm really looking forward to, I'm just being honest, you know. I, I Sorry, some of you may leave now and never be back after that. And for the first four weeks, the guy talked about nothing but integrity. And I'm going, when's he going to get to the good stuff? I didn't realize that integrity was the good stuff. And so I share with you today relational integrity. It was a life changer for Mark and for Jill so I want to talk about that today, and, and I'm going to end with something, and, I, and hopefully it will have an impact on you as it did in me on that divorce prevention seminar. You see, there are two relationship types, two, two relationship types. First relationship type is a contract relationship. How many of you have contract relationships? You might with your job, right? Or uh, Tuesday, we have a contractor coming to our Mather home to put in new countertops. We have a contract, and that contract says, we're going to pay you this, and you're going to do this. And what that contract does, please catch this, it protects our rights. It also limits our responsibilities. Now, how many of you ever signed a contract and the person just said, sign here, 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 and you don't know, you just gave up your firstborn child? You see, a contract protects rights and limits responsibilities. We have, uh, the, the Mather House has a relatively new air conditioner. When we bought it, we moved in actually 21 years ago, come June 15th, and it had an air conditioner about the size of one of these chairs. And for 16 glorious years, that little thing, uh, we, we're living in an apartment now, and the apartment air conditioner is the same one that was on that 2,900-square-foot home. 
For the last five years of that old air conditioner, a friend of mine who is a technician came out and he says, everything on the meter says this air conditioner is dead. But what he didn't know is I prayed over it, anointed it with oil, and it kept going five years till we had the money to replace it. So when we had the money to replace it, we went and got a bigger air conditioner because it's a bigger house and we wanted it not to work so hard. And I was working out there um, trying to keep up with the, the lifting realtor here if you watch his pages of all the weights. I got him on Friday because I know I loaded 2,660 pounds of dirt and sod out of my backyard into a trailer and I unloaded the trailer at the dump, another 2,660, that's 5,320. There's no way under heaven that dude lifted 5,300 pounds on Friday. No way. Probably pretty close. He does that every day. I do it once, and I've been recovering ever since. <laughs> anyway, the point of the story, I digress. The, the air conditioner is, is relatively new, and yet we've had to have them come out and charge it with uh, refrigerant twice in the last six, seven months. And the company that installed it said, came out and said, there's nothing wrong. But the company that comes out and charges it says, you have a small leak in the evaporative cooler. It needs to be replaced. The part is under warranty. Yeah, but how do I get the part in? That'll be $2,600. You see, I didn't read the contract to say, if, had I read it, well, you mean, yeah, you'll give me the part, but I've got to pay the labor. And the company that installed it says, everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else. So... That's what a contract does. Well, here's what happens. Society defines marriage as a contract relationship. That's why they have prenups. The second kind of relationship, write this down, is covenant. A covenant relationship. And I want you to see the difference. A covenant relationship says, I surrender my rights. I surrender my rights and assume my responsibilities. How many watched This Is Us? You, it's okay in church to admit you watch TV. Did, did you see it this week? Uh, okay, then you didn't see it this week. But it's very interesting, the discovery that one of the characters makes when she remembers her vows, that it was to surrender her rights. And it changes the whole story. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. And I'd I was wishing I'd had time to grab a clip this week, but I didn't. A covenant surrenders rights. You see, marriage is a covenant. In the Bible, the word covenant means to cut. You'll notice every time there's a covenant, you, there's a, a cutting. Right? Uh, every time a covenant involve, is involved in the Bible or appears in the Bible, blood's involved. Jesus said, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out. For many, for the forgiveness of sins. Next week we'll have communion. We'll have that little cup. What are we reminded? The, the blood of the, the covenant, the blood of Jesus that makes the deal where Jesus said, I'm going to surrender my rights and assume my responsibilities. I want to engage in a relationship with you that way. You see, sacrifice is central to the idea of a covenant. Sacrifice. It's sacrificial, permanent relationship in, in which uh, it, it's really something to stay together. Now, a, a sacrificial covenant mentality is central to building a lasting marriage. 
But you know, this concept of covenant relationships with people is also central. You know, we, we really have that with one another in the body of Christ. Because our founder, Jesus, established his relationship with the church as a covenant relationship. You should be grateful for that. Because if it was a contract deal, you can be sure he'd hold up his end of it, and you could be absolutely sure that we wouldn't. And a contract where one party does not keep the terms of the contract is voided. Can you imagine if your salvation was voided because of your behavior? Aren't you grateful this morning that Jesus established his relationship with us as a covenant relationship. He said, I'm coming to sacrifice. You may not carry your end, but I'll carry mine. I'm going to give up my rights and assume responsibilities. A contract, uh, here's an illustration. When you rent a home, and that air conditioner starts leaking, what do you do? You call the owner. And the owner sends for somebody to come out, and somebody comes out and looks at it and, and says, okay, it's, gonna, it's under warranty. Well, the renter would say, well, then fix it. But if there's a bill involved, what do they say? You'll need to call the owner. Right? covenant relationship you're an owner you're giving up your rights you're assuming the responsibility to maintain that sometimes it means a hundred percent of that lands on your side of the deal in every relationship we have behavioral choices do you know those behaviors will strengthen or weaken every relationship, whether it's a business relationship, personal, family, or marriage? So if you think I'm just teaching on marriage today, I'm not. Basically, there are two relational choices. The first are acts of deceit or acts of dishonesty, or can, in key words today, can we call it lack of integrity? So I have a choice in a relationship. I can be deceitful, I can be dishonest, I can lack integrity. Deceit is the practice of concealing or misrepresenting the truth. You ever been around that? This car was owned by a little old lady and was kept in a garage for 12 years. How did the odometer get to 223,000? When the act is deceit or dishonesty, the action is to defraud someone. Defraud someone. To deprive someone of something by deception or fraud. Listen to this. Here's the outcome of deceit and defraud. Here's the outcome. Distrust. And distrust leads to loss of intimacy Separation that's caused by guilt and shame. When you're in a contract relationship with someone, 
and they're sketchy. You're always having to call. I thought you were going to be here on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, the part didn't come in. I thought you were going to be here Thursday. The part, you know, huh? How do you start feeling about that person you're in contract with when every time you call, you don't get a response? You see, it's a relation, it's a contract relationship. The choice was made to act in deceit or dishonesty. What's the action? You've been defrauded. And what's the outcome? There's lack of trust. Does that make sense? Now, in every relationship, you also have the other way that you can go, and that's acts of honesty, or what word are we using today? Integrity. And when you act in integrity, your action is to aid, to support, to edify. What's the word edify mean? That's a big word for build up. When you act in integrity in a relationship, what does it do for the other person that's in that relationship? It builds them up. So what are the impacts or the outcomes of integrity? You see, number one, relationships foundations is to be integrity. Um, Pin that, circle it, something, because at the end, I'm going to tell a story if I remember. And if I don't tell it, you say, Pastor, you're supposed to tell a story at the end. Relationships, foundations, or integrity. What is foundation? It's the basis, the tenet, the principle, the axiom upon which something stands or supported. And integrity is the basis of every healthy relationship. If you're going to get along with your coworkers, you need to be functioning in Integrity. If you're going to get along with your boss, you need to be functioning in integrity. And guess what? For you to trust them, they need to be functioning in integrity towards you too. Why do we remember G. Lee and Lady Thomas? Because we were young, young pastors. And they said to us, you're part of the team. You're part of our leadership. And every Sunday night, yes, we had church on Sunday night. Every Sunday night, come on out to the ranch. We'll figure out something to eat. They wanted us close to them. And when we're going to make a big decision, they'd said we're part of the team. They'd actually ask us. I remember thinking, I'm 23 years old. What do I know about anything? Mark, I'm thinking we should do this. What do you guys think? Well, pastor, you're the pastor. I know, but you're part of the team. Why do I have such honor and respect for him? Because he dealt with us. They both dealt with us in integrity. What is integrity? That's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. But I don't like that definition as much as I like this one. Here's one for you. It's the state of being whole, of being undivided, of being complete. These aren't in your notes. This is bonus material. Uh, The condition of being unified, unimpaired, or sound in construction. I want to have a building that's built with integrity. If something's going to be lasting, don't you want it built with integrity? Of wholeness, of completeness. Solomon's taken over for his dad. Listen to what God says. Walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart. 
not deceit, not dishonesty. Walk before me in integrity of heart. Have your heart whole. Have your heart undivided. We should all want to walk before God in integrity of heart. What is that? It's complete whole devotion to him. The word integrity in the Hebrew means completeness, fullness, and it also has the concept of innocence thrown in. Look at what Proverbs says. A righteous person who walks in integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. So look at the benefit of walking in integrity. It's not just you. What's it do for your family? The family's blessed. So what are integrity's values? Two things, safety and guidance. Safety. People with integrity, the, the writer of Proverbs said, people with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. When you think of exposed, what do you think of? I go all the way back to the garden. And you remember what God had to say? Who told you you were naked? What was introduced there? Two things, guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. But people who walk with integrity, they walk safely. But if you follow crooked paths, you'll expose. What, what is it? Guilt and shame there. Uh, Psalms 25, may integrity and honesty protect me. It will. Psalms 41, you have preserved my life because I'm innocent. You have brought me into your presence forever. Why innocence there is the word integrity. The second value of integrity is guidance. Look at Proverbs 11. Honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. It just does. Here's the good news. Anybody been in a church where they've taught about the Holy Spirit? In John 16, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You notice when, you, when you're led or guided by someone who walks in integrity, God, what's he going to guide you into? All truth. Well, what is the fruit of integrity? Well, it's a good reputation. It's a good reputation. You see, fruit identifies the makeup, the nature, the core of the tree. Matthew 7 says, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick great grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit. So you can identify people by their actions. What is the fruit of integrity? It's a good reputation. Look at this. In Psalm 78, it reminds us that integrity is a reflection of our heart condition. It says, David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. Aren't you grateful for leaders that have integrity of heart? And aren't you distressed when we have leaders that don't have integrity of heart? 
integrity remains true. Mark 12, it says they came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Integrity remains true to its principles, its values. It's not swayed. Joe and I have been married 40 years. Actually, she's been married 45 years because there's several years living with me. She got double credit. <laughs> this may be one of those years. I don't know. Our relationship has always been strong when we are able to remain true to our principles and our values. That is, we walk in integrity with one another. Now, the story about Jesus, they were saying, you don't respond to pressure. Have you ever had pressure in a relationship? If you wondered why I paused, I was thinking through how much of this story can I tell? So I was getting permission from my other self here. We've had advisors suggest that maybe you should separate. We've had circumstances that said maybe you should separate. We've had seasons that the events said maybe you should separate. Now, after the, this and this story, I've probably just emptied the church. But one thing, there's always been at least one of us that had integrity in the relationship, which meant we were in it sacrificially committed to the principle. Notice I didn't say both of us were. But there's always been one, and that's why we're still standing. What's the value of integrity? What's its reward? A good reputation, Proverbs 22. Choose a good reputation over riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Ecclesiastes 7 says a good reputation is, is more valuable than costly perfume. What's the benefit of integrity? Write this word in your notes. It's trust. Trust trust and now the next line there says trust should be and I'm going to I put what did I put up there trust should be valued that's nice I'm going to give you a whole list trust should be valued trust should be treasured trust should be protected trust should be guarded trust should be clung to when you have trust with someone you should do everything within your power to maintain it. In some cases, trust needs to be earned. If you've broken trust with someone, come back and say, trust me. To which I'd say, prove it. I gave you trust initially as a courtesy. You broke that trust. How do I know your behavior is different? Prove it.
as a pastor for 43 years, people come into my office. We're having challenges, blah, 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 whatever. I, I, here's the three things I say. Repent, make restitution, restore trust. I'm just going to let you know the third is going to be the hardest. Trust should be valued, guarded, protected, treasured. It's precious. It should never be viewed as something that you are owed. You see, trust is earned through vulnerability. I've found that as a leader, the best way to gain trust of those you're leading is to be vulnerable with them. That's a concept that is foreign in our world. You know, I work for the state. You know, I work for Caltrans. I've said to the leaders that are in the line above me, I said, trust is vulnerability because they're always saying, you, you tell so many things about your weaknesses, your challenges, your shortcomings. Why? I want them to know I'm human so that they can say, I can relate to Mark, so therefore I can trust him. Trust is earned through vulnerability. You see, vulnerability, friends, is difficult when you're in the presence of guilt and shame. Now, that was profound, and you ought to write it down. When you're not acting in integrity, there's guilt and shame. It's very hard to be vulnerable and be honest about yourself when you have the constant voices of guilt and shame. Write this in your notes. Trust can be lost in a moment, but can be restored through ongoing acts of integrity. It can take you years to build it, and in a moment's time, you can destroy it. Well, there's some blessings of integrity. Here's the first one, inner closeness. Inner closeness. And inner closeness is a nice word for intimacy. We have a number of levels of intimacy. We have mental intimacy. That's the ability to share thoughts, ideas, or perspectives. You know, when, you're, when you are in an integrous relationship, it's safe to share your ideas. Have you ever worked in an environment where sharing an idea was not done, and the reason it wasn't done, because you were fearful that if you did that you would be devalued. One of the things I do on my team, I say, okay, if anybody comes up with a great idea or even a harebrained idea, first of all, I'm the leader of that. They know I just, off the cuff, I just, you get me near a whiteboard, I can come up with 30 ideas. It's, it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. About 20 of them, I go back and reject. I do. But one of the things that I've made a rule of our team is when, when somebody shares an idea, the next person that speaks has to speak in support of that idea. Give it a chance to live. Because it's real easy to say why it won't work. And particularly when you're in an organization that's static and doesn't want to move and clings to the status quo and the top-down 
military style of organization and you got some young bucks like me 65 coming in there you need to get rid of these old ideas you know what I have a voice at the table because I'm as bright as you mental intimacy the ability to share thoughts ideas perspectives it allows acceptance of the way another person thinks and it doesn't demand conformity how about emotional intimacy emotional intimacy that's the security to share feelings It's the ability to share your dreams, your doubts, your fears, your insecurities, emotional intimacy. Then there's spiritual intimacy. That's the most challenging. Somehow it's challenging to get down to the heart of the issue and say, you know, here's, here's where I'm feeling at a spiritual level. It provides unity, however, and mutual commitment to God's purpose for our lives along with respect for the dreams of each other's hearts. It's the greatest depth of intimacy you will ever experience. You all know we sold our home, the studio. Right? You all know we did that. We did it when our kids said, we're moving. And we're thinking, you live in a house we own. I'll just be honest, can we make two payments? No, don't want to do that. We need to sell a house now. I got a little slightly panicked. And I had a sense of what we were supposed to do. And I, but I also had a sense from the Lord, wait till Jill brings it up. Thinking, hopefully, she'll never have the courage to bring it up. And one day on our walk, when she's trying to make me the lean green machine, uh, she said, I've been in prayer, and the Lord spoke to me, when are we supposed to sell our house? I said, uh, well, he told me we're supposed to do it when you bring it up. I guess you just did. It sold in six days. There was a spiritual intimacy in that moment. I have to tell you, I didn't like it. And every time I get the notice, the value of that house has gone up this much since you moved out. <laughs> I'm living in an apartment. That was a neat moment for us. Genesis 22. The man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. That's intimacy. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, I'm done with the teaching. I have one big word on the bottom of my notes. It says foundations. All of that was set up. Remember when I said where this was taught? Divorce prevention. What did he talk about for four weeks? Integrity. Integrity. What did I say integrity is? It's completeness or wholeness. What did I say it was? It's foundational of every relationship. Relationships will always struggle when they aren't founded on integrity. There's a story in the Bible about two builders. 
One guy built on the rock, one guy built on sand. I'm going to tell you about two buildings that I helped build. I was in one of them and saw the other one yesterday. We had the joy of serving at Christian Heights Church in Sonora for those years, and we moved from a postage stamp campus. We bought, we bought 108 acres. When I say we, we did, and we developed it. When I say we, it was G. Lee and Mark. And when I say we did uh, sold 19 parcels of property to pay for the church's land, we did. When I say we built an athletic field, he was on the big tractor, I was on the little tractor. We sat in a room yesterday that I remember when we dug the footings. And I was looking at a section of the church where her dad used to sit when he was in Sonora in our church, and it was right over there. And the reason I remember that is I was the guy tying steel. You know what that is? You tie the rebar in the, the footings? Well, because that area right over there was, was uh, fill dirt, we had to go down to solid ground. And so that footing was about this deep. And since I was the skinniest guy on staff, I know you can't believe it now, but you, you asked Jill then, yes. I turned sideways, stick my tongue out, it looked like a zipper. And so <laughs> they, they put me in there to, to tie the steel. And I remember the Saturday that we poured and the trucks, cement trucks came and came. we poured 100 yards that day. It's one of those days you never forget once you do it. We poured 100 yards and, and I think one whole truck went into that area because we wanted that to be secure. We wanted its foundation to be solid. But I also remember another building that's on that same campus. It's a, it's a prayer chapel. If you've ever been to Mount Hermon, it's actually a carbon copy of the, the prayer chapel at Mount Hermon uh, Conference Center over near Santa Cruz. And that is built looking right across the valley to Mount Diablo. It's a really steep, pitched building. I know one area where we had the inspector come out and said, we, we, we can't put a foundation, we can't put a footing here. You know why? Because there's about a 35-foot granite boulder that's coming out of the ground. And we said, would it be okay to you if we just drilled some holes like we were going to blast the granite, but just drilled this in with the drill, and, and, and we'll put rebar and epoxy in, and we'll have it stick up into the forms and, and we'll build a footing there and then we'll put the block on top of that. Would that be okay? And he said, that'll probably be the strongest foundation of any building you build on this campus. Your foundation on that prayer chapel, which is built literally at the edge of a canyon, you walk in, it's two steps here, you're two stories out when you look at the back deck. That building has foundational integrity. What did I just say? I said every relationship that's going to be healthy and strong has to have integrity as its foundation. Now here's where it's going to get painful, friends. Many of us have started relationships that weren't founded in 
integrity. They've been started in deceit. A person's been defrauded. And you don't even know it, but there's distrust. Now, I can't believe I'm going to go here, but I'm going to go here. If you're single in this room, listen to what I'm going to say. If you're married, don't feel guilty. Just address it if you need to. God's basis for relationship is you find someone, you commit to someone, then you can enjoy physical intimacy. Many relationships today are encouraged to start the other way. Take each other for a few test drives, live with each other four or five years, and if that works out, then go ahead and get married. Guess what? That is a relationship that was not founded in integrity. You don't even know it, but it wasn't founded in integrity. It, it's, it's dishonest. It's, it's distrustful. And, and particularly, ladies, hear me. You've been defrauded. because you were encouraged to trade something for something. You don't know that you did that, but you did. I want love, I'll trade sex for love. Just okay, you still love me today? Now here's the good news, friends. Just because you started that way doesn't mean you can't bring your relationship into relational integrity. That's the good news. That's the good news. Now you say, well, you're just talking about marriage. No, if you're single and and Jazz, you're, you're real single. I want you to remember your dear friend, Pastor Mark, when that guy shows up and he says, let's make a deal. First of all, if a guy can get past your dad, good luck to him. He has guns and he's not even armed. That was funny right there. <laughs> but you say to that young man, I want a relationship founded on integrity because my pastor taught me that that'll be the strongest relationship. That'll be the relationship that's secure, that's whole, that will last the test of time. And so here's the deal. When I have the ring and we walk down the aisle and we sign the paper and we do, then we'll talk about it. Is that okay, Chris? Phoebe, is that okay that I talk to her that way? But it's more than just marriage. It, it's, it's our business relationship. Some people go into business relationships. Let's see what I can squeeze by on someone. As Christians, every relationship we should be in should be one founded on integrity. It's the foundation of health. It's the foundation of strength. Amen. Would you bow your heads, please? message, Lord. I just thank you. Uh, you don't have to pray just yet. Um, I let the Spirit sit and speak to me as I sat in the back, and I listened to Mark's message, and um, you know, I was mentored by three different men. Each of them had an area of their life that I wanted a piece of, and um, I prayed for those things, and God, God, has, God has blessed me in those ways, and I remember I, I you know, I love transparency. 
And I love Pastor Mark's transparency. His transparency to, to tell it like it is and talk to you about what's really going on. And, you know, I, I have to laugh when I think, yeah, we go through the same things. You know, we're, we're you know, the thought of divorce probably comes across the mind two to six times a year. You know, it's a struggle. Marriage is a struggle. And I had a, one of my mentors said to me when, when we were struggling years and years ago, he said, Chris, because I, I always talked about what's fair. And fair sounds good with integrity. Fair sounded good with integrity. But he said, Chris, nothing's fair. Marriage is 100-100. It's not 50-50. It's not 30-70. It's 100% because there's going to be times and seasons in your marriage where your spouse gives 30% and you have to give that extra 100%. And it could be for an extended period of time. So I feel prompted today to pray over our relationships. Um, I like the pastor talked about... Um, was it repent repent restitution and recommit and restore trust um, I think that that's what we need to pray about in our relationships I think that I think that I don't think there's anybody sitting in this room that's probably not suffering in that in some area of their life in some relationship with somebody somewhere and I think that that's what we want to pray about so bow your heads with me father I pray right now Lord I pray I pray repentance restitution, Lord. I pay about uh, recommitment, Lord, and, and, and rebuilding trust, Lord. And I know that these are not easy things. And I know that when we feel that we've lost trust, Lord, I, 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 my attitude used to be, well, I can forgive you, but I won't be able to trust you. And listening to the message today, Lord, that, that trust can be restored through acts of integrity. And Lord, I, 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 ask, I ask everybody around you to just point your hands at somebody in this room today. We pray right now, Lord, over our relationships. We thank you that you love us. We pray that you, that you place in our path the opportunities, Lord, to begin acting in integrity in those areas of our lives in our, with our friends, with our children, with our parents, with our spouses. I just pray over that right now. For those of you sitting at home, reach out to your spouse, your partner, your friend, whoever you're sitting next to right now. Pray that integrity in your relationship. Make Jesus the foundation of your relationship, and your relationship will be healthy. It will be blessed. God will come and show you that he is in the center of it, and you can get through any struggle. You can get through any struggle. So I, I, lift, up that I lift this up to you, Lord. This is our petition to put integrity into our relationships, to make you the foundation. We thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you want to mention the barbecue? Oh, okay. Put it up on the on the board because there we go. July uh, July twenty fifth, we're having a barbecue. That's right. We're mixing a baptism with a barbecue. Uh, it's going to be hosted at uh, the Jacksons' house, right. right here in South Yuba City. Uh, so come on out. I don't know what I'm cooking yet, but it'll be something good. And uh, the pool will be nice and uh, perfect, so we don't have to throw you in the cold river. <laughs> so anybody that's interested in getting baptized or possibly recommitting your life to the Lord, see somebody around here, let us know. We'll probably create a sign-up sheet, and we'll get that going. So that way, and, and we're giving you plenty of notice. Uh, for those of you at home, please, please, please come out and join us. Let us know that you want to recommit. 
or be baptized. So we thank you.